The following sermon is from Faith Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Join us on Sundays for our 8.15 and 11 a.m. worship services. For more information, visit us online at faith-pca.org. We're going to be looking at, or we have been looking at, this Christmas or this Advent season. We have been looking at Christmas through the eyes of Matthew. There's a reason for that. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. It seemed appropriate that we would also spend Advent, uh, looking at Advent through the eyes of Matthew. Last week, we looked at the genealogy. We learned about the family of Jesus. This morning, we're going to learn about the birth of Jesus through Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is printed in your bulletin. Uh, We'll read it, and then I'll make a couple of comments on it this morning. This is the Word of God. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the word of God. Names are a big deal. Naming your child uh, is really significant. I remember in all the naming of my daughters, I think we waited until we were pulling in the parking lot of the hospital to make it final and official. Uh, Why is that? Well, think about names. Names are permanent. Uh, Names, they are personal. Names are intimate. Names are a person's identity. And there's all sorts of reasons we, in ways that we name our children. If you have children, some of those names, you're looking uh, for a name that has significant meaning, or maybe it's a family name that you want to keep going, or... Some people pick a name based on how it sounds with your last name. Whatever the reason, names are significant. And that was just as true in Jesus' day. Normally, the father had the privilege and the responsibility of naming their child, but this was not the case for Mary and Joseph because this was God's child. God was the father of this child. And so it was God who named the child. And you see that in verse 20, where the angel shows up and tells Joseph to name his son Jesus. Jesus means God saves. 
And those are the two words that we're going to look at this morning. Because God saves, those two words, God saves goes right to the very heart of Christmas and right to the very heart of Christianity because it tells us who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. So we're going to stick with those two words. First word, God saves, or first word, God, second word, saves. Jesus is God, it's our first point. Second point, Jesus saves. Jesus is God, Jesus saves. Let's look at our first heading, Jesus is God. And you'll see several ways that Matthew drives this point home. Look at verse 20. The angel tells Joseph that Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, making God the real father of this child. However, there's a more direct statement of Jesus' identity in verse 23, where Matthew is quoting from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. But what I want you to notice is, the first thing I want you to notice is how Matthew handles the virgin birth. It's really interesting if you think about it, because he really doesn't make that big a deal of it. He's not defending it. He's not making all of these arguments saying, this is why you should believe this. But he simply states it as fact and moves on rather quickly. And there's lots of reasons, but Matthew is a Jew writing to Jewish people and central to the Jewish reality based on the Old Testament was that God created all things, that God was in control of all things, and that God could intervene in human history. In other words, of course God could come into the world through a virgin's womb. Just like he made all things in six days, just like he parted the Red Sea, just like he makes axe heads float, just as he makes the sun stand still, of course God could do this. The conception is a miraculous created work of the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. And the spirit that comes upon Mary to conceive the Savior from an empty womb is the same spirit that hovered over the deep and the darkness in creation. Think about it. Just as the earth was formless and void at the beginning when the spirit appeared, so also Mary's womb was void until the spirit of God showed up and filled the womb with the very Son of God. And this shouldn't really be surprising for us as Christians, if you're a Christian this morning, because when you look at the life of Christ, you think about how Jesus left the world very supernaturally and miraculously through the resurrection and through the ascension, and and so it only makes sense that he would enter the world the very same way, through a miracle. What does the miracle teach us, the miracle of the virgin birth? Well, From the outset, it teaches us something about salvation. Because we learn through this very first miracle of the virgin birth uh, that the Holy Spirit, not human effort, the Holy Spirit brings Jesus into a person's life. It was true for Mary, it's true for us. When Jesus comes to anyone, it is always the supernatural work 
of the Holy Spirit. It is not a result of human effort. Dale Bruner, a commentator, says the Holy Spirit is the miraculous howl of new life, of creation, of in Mary and in us. And he goes on to say, I love this little line, every conversion is a virgin birth. And so when someone says to you, are you a Christian? We should never say, of course I am. We should always say, yes, and can you believe it? Me, a Christian, it's a miracle. Why is the miracle, next question, why is the virgin birth so central and so important and so necessary to Christianity? Well, very clearly, we have no hope this morning unless Jesus was born in this way. Let me explain. Charles Spurgeon says it more clearly than I can. Listen to what he says. There was no other way of his being born. For had he been born of a sinful father, how could he have possessed a sinless nature? He is born of a woman that he might be human, but not by a man that he might not be sinful. In other words, all of God entered all of man to do all that God requires and to bear all that is wrong with us in the world. The incarnation, the virgin birth, ensures us, this is why it's so important, that Jesus is not infected with sin, but at the same time, he's not isolated from humanity. Jesus, and yes, this is very hard to get your mind around. It's why it's a miracle. Is 100% God, and he is 100% man. And maybe you say this morning, well, come on. I mean, are you really asking me to believe that God came into the world as a human being born of a virgin named Mary? Can you really expect me to believe this? Yes. I heard one pastor say, Christians have faith that God was born of a virgin, Humanists or atheists believe or have faith that the universe had a virgin birth. Choose your miracle. You see, if you say Christianity is supernatural or too supernatural for you, then you have to see that what you believe is also supernatural. That the world started out of nothing. And the point is that it's not like the atheist or humanistic worldview is totally obvious and Christians are the strange people making this huge leap of faith. No, everyone is making a faith commitment. The incarnation, you see, is vital and foundational to the Christian faith. It is the miracle on which Christianity rises or falls. The name of Jesus... God saves. Jesus is God. Secondly, Jesus saves. Joshua is the Hebrew form of the name Jesus. And remember Joshua in the Old Testament? Joshua led the people into the promised land and he overcomes the enemies of God and the oppressors of God's people through physical force. 
And you see, part of the reason why the Jews were looking for a Messiah or a king, they had that background that they're looking into, and so they're thinking Christ, King, Messiah would come and would save them politically by conquering all of their Roman enemies and all the foreign powers and oppressors. That's why it totally throws the Jewish people for a loop when Jesus comes into the world in a manger in the middle of nowhere, and then he starts saying things, if you think about the Sermon on the Mount, like turn the other cheek, and uh, blessed are the meek and the poor in spirit. It totally turned upside down their expectations of the Messiah. And the one in Mary's womb, you see, is the greater Joshua. Like Joshua, this child would conquer our enemies, but it wouldn't be foreign oppressors. It would be an enemy much greater than that, the enemy of sin and death. Look at verse 21. You shall call him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Notice the focus. On, the focus is on us. The focus is on our sin. And the assumption from that verse is that we are all sinners and that what we need more than anything else is to be rescued from our sin, saved from our sin. Remember the old show, The West Wing? Uh, there was an episode of the West Wing when a man named Leo was sharing a story with Josh. And there's this guy in the story saying there's this guy walking down the street. He falls into a hole and he can't get out. And so he sees someone passing by above him and it's a doctor. And he says, doctor, please, can you help me? And the doctor writes a prescription and throws it down into the hole. The next guy that walked by was a priest, and he says, Father, priest, will you, can you help me? And the priest writes out a prayer and throws it down into the hole. And then he sees his friend walk by, and he says, Hey, Joe, can you help me? And his friend jumps down into the hole, to which the guy looks at him and says, Are you stupid? Now we're both stuck. And his friend looks at him and says, Yeah. But I've been down here before, and I know the way out. That's Christmas. That's the good news of Christmas. You see, Jesus saw our sin-ruined state, and he did not pass us by. He did not write a prescription and throw it down to us. He did not write out a prayer and throw it down to us or instructions for getting out of this mess of sin ourselves. He did not yell down advice or nice platitudes for helping us climb out. No, Jesus comes down into our broken world and he knows the way out. And he says, follow me. Trust in me because you will get out through my sacrificial death and atoning work on the cross. And you see, that's what makes Christianity different from every other philosophy. That's what makes Christianity different from every other world religion. Every other philosophy and world religion says, follow these steps, do these things, then you can reach God. 
then you can work your way and attain salvation. That is terrible news. Christianity is good news because Christianity says that you are saved and you are made right with God, not by what you do, not through following all these rules and being good enough. No, Christianity says you're saved through a person, the person of Jesus Christ who came down to rescue you. And Jesus was perfectly obedient He lived the life that we could never live and died the death that we deserve on the cross. You see, Christianity reminds us that our biggest problem is not other people. Our biggest problem is not the culture. Our biggest problem is not our situation or our circumstances. Or how about this one? Our biggest problem is not our location. Our biggest problem is our sin. That's what Christianity reminds us of. You see, it has a sharp edge to it because it reminds you that you're really needy. And a change of address or a move or a job change or better finances or different relationships and friend groups, those will not ultimately give you what you most need. The hope of our life is not in what's wrapped under the tree in shiny, nice wrapping paper this Christmas. No, the hope of your life comes through a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, wrapped in a manger, who would later in his life hang from a different tree, a cross. What we most need is a Savior. Jesus comes to save you. That's Christmas. Jesus, God saves. He's the hope of our life. If we miss that, then we miss Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good news of Christmas. Thank you that you didn't just throw down instructions and hope that we find our way out, but you actually came down. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help all of us to see our desperation and our need this Christmas so that we will rejoice and worship like never before. And if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, that doesn't have faith in Christ, I pray that you would do a miracle that you would open up their heart, give them eyes to see and ears to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask these things in his name. Amen.